Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about America as the Truman Show. I believe we have congressional candidate Drew Montez Clark joining me from Florida. Don't have it hooked up yet, but I believe we have him. Uh, and then violent truckers in Canada singing Amazing Grace and saying no. An FDA official video, mind blowing. And finally, Hillary and the real insurrection emerging. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five, I'm Debbie George Addis. And a special hello to our radio listeners. If you're listening on radio, the show is America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. Many of you probably saw a movie, I think it was like the late 1990s, and it was called The Truman Show. And it had Jim Carrey, he was a star of it. It was a really clever storyline idea. And it occurred to me today, I want to tell you what that movie was about if you didn't see it, and how the American people are kind of playing the role right now in America, and they're being treated as though, as though the main character was treated, uh, whose name, Jim Carrey's name was Truman Burbank in The Truman Show. The gist of the movie was, Truman Burbank, the main guy in the show, in the movie, is actually on a show called The Truman Show, which is a story about his life, but he doesn't know he's on TV. He actually lives his entire life as a running television show unbeknownst to him. So he literally goes through, you know, this starts from his uh, mere in, you know, infancy as a baby, all the way up when he, he thinks he's really living a real life everything around him is orchestrated everyone else around him including his friends his family his wife everything they're all actors and he's the only one who doesn't know it and the whole set everything the where he thinks he lives this beautiful island in florida is a movie set and so the storyline is that america is hooked on watching this truman guy truman burbank grow up he has no idea that his life isn't real, that all of what he's doing is just being put out as a TV show and everyone surrounding him is really actors. However, near the end, of course, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, he does finally figure it out. In the very end, he gets away and gets to like to the real world. He finally figures out, I am being orchestrated, manipulated, and, and I, I'm not living my real life. I want to say right now where we are in America, the way the government and powers that be, and I don't mean just a few individuals in the federal government, I mean the entire you know, radical left-wing media, many in mainstream uh, media, in the government and society, we the people, the American people, are being treated like Truman Burbank, both with respect to what occurred with COVID all the COVID policy that we we just kind of were hypnotized. We say, you, we'll do what we say, whatever you tell us. The messaging we got, the way we were treated about COVID, it's like we're Truman Burbank. And we're finally, many, many people like Truman did, are waking up and realizing, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, on this COVID stuff, I don't think so. Same thing is true with election integrity and election fraud. Same thing is true. We have election integrity, 
uh, which there was you know, much discussion about, but all of us have been subjected to unending, relentless manipulation in many different ways uh, on that topic too. And in both topics, very recently recognized, just this, last, this past Monday, like nine days ago, uh, was when the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, put out a bulletin announcing that they, the federal government that does Homeland Security, would treat American citizens who questioned COVID policy or questioned election, the election of 2020 or election integrity as potential domestic terrorists. Still a mind-blowing development in a country that committed to freedom of speech. But yes, that's exactly what they did. On the two topics that most go directly to the power of the federal government to keep us under this unending, manipulated, mesmerized, hypnotized uh, point of view. It, it, it is just simply mind-blowing. So I want to be sure and tell you the Truman Show, if you haven't seen that movie, you should see it. And you should recognize when Truman finally realizes that these people all around him have been manipulating him and basically treating him like a, you know, like a, like a lab rat, uh, someone to be manipulated and studied and watched, but not really living his own life. He doesn't like it very much. He's ready to actually be in charge, be told the truth, understand the truth, make his own decisions. And that's exactly where the American people need to get both on COVID policy. Uh, we have stories they are mind blowing on the subject of COVID policy. What we're now learning, especially coming out of Canada, uh, but also things here in America. Uh, and then we also have the same thing with respect to election fraud and what the uh, special counsel Durham has made now made obvious to the American people about Hillary Clinton's role in the election uh, of 2016 or 2020, all that she was involved in doing and how really end up with the American people uh, being played by the government and by the powers that be in the media like poor little Truman Burbank, who actually does not deserve to be treated the way he was being treated. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I've been on a roll uh, on this show trying to uh, get people to have uh, a lineup of people come on who join me. I get emails from candidates all around the country, people especially running for Congress, running for U.S. Senate, and, and probably a lot of talk show hosts get these, you know, just saying, oh, I'm running for Congress, love to come on your show. So, you know, I actually look at them because I love the idea of American citizens being willing to step up and run for office in this crucial time in America, in this crucial time in American history. We're in unprecedented times in America where we're watching the federal government be more in control of Americans' lives than ever before, both with respect to COVID and many other aspects of life. So we're watching a time when the power of the federal government is growing and growing and we're looking for leaders. We're looking for strong candidates who will not go to Washington and just uh, drink the swamp Kool-Aid and join the swamp, but will actually stand up and speak up for the unique, extraordinary ideas that created America. So today we have joining us um, a candidate. I actually, my husband and I met him at a conference, I think last year. Yeah, last year sometime. Uh, his name is Drew Montez Clark, and he's running for U.S. Congress uh, from the state of Florida. And, you know, in Florida, everyone, as you likely know, in Florida, uh, many people are thinking about moving to Florida because it seems like it's a state where, you know, freedom is on the rise, people are wide awake. So we have congressional candidate Drew Montez joining us via Skype to hear about his campaign. So, hello, Drew. Hi, how are you? I'm um, great. So we don't have audio? And we don't have video? Oh, we do. Well, there you are. <laughs> Hello and welcome to my show. 
I'm great. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you could join us. And I know this is a very good thing that uh, I'm grateful you're doing today because I know when you're running for Congress, I mean, I've worked on congressional campaigns. I understand every minute matters. So I'm honored that you would join us. Grateful to have you join us. So you're running for Congress in the state of Florida. Uh, tell me very quickly about in your district. Is it a Republican district? So uh, you're likely to have Republican representation or not? It's uh, not just people who assign to party partisan politics, but people who are willing to stand in the gap and do what's necessary to save this country. Okay, I'm already really happy that we had you on the show. That's exact. I love hearing that. And it is actually what, to me, what America needs. It needs countless people like you, whether you're challenging an incumbent Republican who never stands up for freedom and American values, or you're challenging in a closed district where you may be able to take a seat away from a Democrat. This is a time when really it is almost symbolized. It's almost like going off to war for the country. You're going to Washington to say, I'm here to stand up for the ideas that founded America. So uh, in your, first of all, just geographically, where's your district in Florida? CD25, I think, right? So where is that? In CD25 currently, I mean, in the, in the state of Florida, we're still in, in, in flux with regard to our redistricting process. So we have not yet settled on what the congressional district is going to be. And there's a few different ones that could change the district. As of right now, it is CD25. And that really is down in Naples. It really takes uh, 75 uh, in, in Collier County, Naples, and it goes all the way over to the other coast and, and takes portions of Miami-Dade um, currently. So it's a big district, um, uh, but uh, we'll see where things end in the next week or so with regard to the redistricting process. Uh, our governor, as you know, Governor Ron DeSantis, has done an excellent job here in the state of Florida, um, is, wants to be really aggressive with regard to our maps. Um, but there's a lot of people in our legislative body, even though it's Republican-led, um, who are, are being a lot more conservative. So there's there's some tension there that we have to get through, um, but I'm confident we'll get it done and uh, keep Florida red. But there's some things that we need to be aware of. Okay, I love that. I love that. Okay, so I want to hear from the from Florida because I can. I've interviewed candidates from uh, Texas, Washington State, uh, you know, around the country, and so what in Florida? When you talk to the voters in this district, you hope to represent. What are the hot button issues that they're concerned about? Well, you know, to be honest, you know, I just got back from the border uh, for a second time a couple weeks ago. Uh, immigration is, is a huge thing um, down here in this area. And the district that I'm in right now is about uh, 70% Hispanic. Uh, there's a lot of Cubans, a lot of Venezuelans, um, and they're concerned about what's happening with, at, at our border. And because we know that uh, the immigration issue that we have right now and our border security is not just a border state issue, it's, it's a national issue. Um, because there's a lot of illegal aliens that are, that are making their way to states like Florida um, and causing problems from that perspective. Now, you also have election integrity that's really big. Um, there's, a, there's still people in the state of Florida, even though things supposedly went the way we wanted it here in the state of Florida, uh, Governor Sanchez really made some pushes to, to secure our elections here, more so than they were uh, the last cycle, but people are still concerned uh, with regard to some things that we still need to sure up and because Governor Santa has been so adamant in standing against the radical nature of the current administration, uh, there's a target on the back of Floridians at this point. Um, so we need to be very vigilant in, in what we're doing because money is already pouring into the state uh, because the radical uh, left that is trying to take over this country uh, wants to move Florida out of the way because we're standing in the way of their agenda. 
Okay, I think you know, Drew, that I'm doing this show from the great state of Texas, and that's one of our lines about, not lines, it's a a truth about many races in Texas. The left is eyeing Texas. They really do think they can turn Texas blue or maybe like purple for a while. And they are arguing that just, you know, they're picking off districts, picking off races, and slowly growing that blue um, swamp uh, mentality here in Texas. So that the idea of being getting candidates on every single issue that are strong and will stand strong for freedom, uh, it's huge in Texas too. Okay, so on election integrity, which is like one of my favorite topics on this show, because I always say, if you don't have election integrity, you don't trust the outcome of the elections and you can't trust them, nothing else matters. You could have the best campaign in all of American history and the best articulation of the issues and still end up with the results, a bad government that doesn't represent what the people wanted because you didn't enforce election integrity. So um, going, going to Washington, is that something I know? Actually, you should ask your reaction to Washington. They've had the Dems when they very first got over the uh, majority in the House again. Uh, they went after the For the People Act, which they was basically federalizing the goal to federalize all elections. What's your take on that? Well, I will tell you this. Um, I, I never thought in a million years that right now uh, there would be two Democratic senators, one or two Democratic senators who are really holding the line and uh, keeping uh, America from falling uh, to a place that may be unrecoverable. Uh, but that's what's happening. Without them, uh, we would have federalized our elections and really solidified exactly the radical uh, movement that has taken over the Democratic Party now and is, and is attempting to take over this country. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy with regard to that. Uh, but we need to be vigilant and, and making sure. And I tell people all the time, I'm a patriot first who identifies as a Republican. Uh, and what, what that means exactly is that I look to God and country first. Uh, and then I align myself with the party who looks to God and country first. And when I talk about uh, the Constitution with regard to the country, there are certain enumerated powers that the federal government has. And right now it is extremely bloated. Uh, what happened in the 2020 election, I know everybody's looking at the federal government. But it was a state issue, and it always was a state issue. Um, and we have to fight that battle at the state level and keep the federal government from intervening outside of what the parameters are outlined by the Constitution. So I go up there understanding the constraints of my federal position, not just trying to figure out how I'm going to wield the power that people are going to yield to me, uh, but how I'm going to confine uh, the federal government to the enumerated powers outlined in the Constitution, shrink a blow to federal government, and return power to the states. That is where we win the battle with regard to election integrity. I love all that. You know, in the la- over the last four years, there was a, um, I guess three and a half years now ago, uh, they had Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won a-, a U.S. House seat from a district in New York. And she immediately got up there and banded together with, and she's actually a very open Democrat socialist. At least she's, she has one virtue, at least it's honesty. She, jo- she admits to be a Democrat <laughs> socialist. But three other people, and they banded together, and they basically said, you know, we're the squad. And they got tremendous media attention just by giving themselves a name, a label, and then, right. you know, in many cases, saying outlandish things. It's just outlandish and preposterous. But... On the conservative side, we have the House Freedom Caucus. And I think mm-hmm. I saw something that you talked about supporting it. Tell me your views on the House Freedom Caucus. Well, I'm, I'm very adamant with regard to my support for the House Freedom Caucus. Um, and, you know, one of the, we just had uh, Jim Jordan down at, uh, at our uh, Lincoln Reagan dinner uh, down in Collier County. Um, but one of the most avid America First candidates uh, that we have that is being vocal and standing up for the values that we all hold dear is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's also a member of the House Freedom Caucus. 
Uh, the interesting thing about the gentleman that I'm challenging is he's one of the Republicans who broke ranks to strip her of her committee assignments. Now, that was a, a big, big thing for me because I look at that as a, as a violation of the First Amendment. Um, it was the first time in history that I'm aware of that we had a majority party um, strip the committee assignments of the minority party at the time. And let alone we had Republicans break ranks to do such a thing at a time like this, when we're really fighting for the soul of this country. I think that's inexcusable. Um, and the House Freedom Caucus is one of the, um, basically the groups in D.C. that I think are going to be instrumental in holding the line and making sure that when we take the House back uh, in 2022, that it's not just a, a bunch of weak, feeble-minded, weak-kneed Republicans. Because uh, I want to remind people, the first two years of President Donald Trump, we had the House, we had the Senate, and we still couldn't get anything done. It's not just about sending a bunch of Republicans uh, to D.C. It's about sending patriots to D.C. who value God, who value the Constitution, and are not afraid to stand up uh, for the American people. I, I'm so glad you're making those points. And you're, as I, I think I some, said something like this, or you're singing my tune. You know, when Donald Trump was began his presidency in 2017, you're right, he had a whole first two years. He had the House and Senate. And it was astonishing to watch the very, very few numbers, members of House and Senate who would stand with him on all these issues, which when you think about it, he got more votes than any senator, than any Republican, and right. he gets into office and he can't get them to back him. And there was a lot of- With his uh, own party. Go ahead. I know, I just said with his own party. Right, right. His own party wouldn't back him. And a lot of it had to do with, I think, you know, he's so bold in what he said, you know, secure the border, we need a wall, uh, as one example. And you had people just thinking, well, I'm not sure this is going to play with the American people. This could be a little too much. I don't want to be on the record agreeing with him because later he might be fall out of favor. It was timidity and people calculating, how do I hold on to my seat as long as I can and, and kind of walk a safe line versus standing up for what I believe in and assuming they did agree with Trump on almost everything, which the voters did. That's why they voted for him. It was astonishing to see that political calculation be weighed more importantly in the minds of Republicans than just standing up for what is right. You think that's fair to say? I think that's very fair to say. I mean, you, you have the difference between a patriot and a politician. And I think America's done with politicians and they want patriots. Patriots are who founded this country. And they founded this country not because it was uh, a calculated uh, win uh, that they had. They founded this country based on principle. They waged an unwinnable war uh, based upon a dream that we're all living today and that was based on principle, and they risked everything. I think the American people deserve that today, because it's going to take that to hold the line and protect what our forefathers gave to us for the next generation. I have four daughters, and I refuse to leave an America that offers them less opportunity than it offered me. So I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but there's a quote that says, um, uh, I, I prefer peace, but if trouble may come, let it come in my day. Right. Um, because I, I'm not going to leave that for the next generation. I love that. Very quickly in your background, I usually ask background first, but I, I was actually really excited to talk to you about your race. So is it, are you a chiropractor by background? Is that right? Yeah, both my wife and I are chiropractors by trade, you know, so that just puts us right in the medical freedom category overall. I mean, I've been fighting the medical freedom thing since before I was involved in politics. So when we get into some of the conversation about what's happening today with COVID and, 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 and this jab and all these different things, um, I have very, very strong opinions about that. But yeah, my, both my wife and I are chiropractors. I spent two and a half years uh, in Italy 
uh, before settling practice here. Uh, we've had two practices down here that have been open uh, in Florida for about, about 11 years now. Um, and we've helped a lot of patients uh, across that board. And we've seen a lot of patients even through uh, the debacle that is COVID today. Okay, on the subject of medical freedom, another one of my favorite topics. I've watched over the years, I've been involved in politics you know, a pretty long time. I've watched over the years where, because Obamacare came along and the, uh, you know, and, and by the way, this is what Democrats do when they get the majority. When, when Obama first term has the House and the Senate, and he, he's obviously in the White House, they jam through Obamacare. They're not going to let their opportunity go to take over the health care system. They did a big agenda item, and that's what the left always does. They seize power. But back to my point about health care, when Obamacare came along, uh, there was a, a presumption the part of most conservatives the idea is to get rid of this, or at least to greatly minimize the federal government's intrusion into the healthcare industry, keep government out of it. And slowly over time, as the courts were unwilling to call Obamacare unconstitutional, which I think it was, but you know, we didn't get there in the Supreme Court, you started to see a drift in the Republican thinking like, well, you know, we can just tweak it here and tweak it there. And, and I'm not, I don't know if it's viable these days to actually call for the repeal of Obamacare entirely. It seems like slithered, you know, snaked into the entire regulatory system in Washington. Very hard to unravel and get rid of. But are there healthcare freedom goals you would have as a member of Congress? Um, no, absolutely. And you're, you're spot on with regard to what you said. I mean, that's the piece that a lot of people didn't understand about Obamacare, how it was intricately woven into, into pretty much everything. Uh, and how deep it really went. And that's what makes it so difficult to just kind of repeal. But, you know, when Obamacare came on, you know, one of the lies in the very beginning was is you're going to be able to keep your insurance. Well, I myself lost my insurance with regard to Obamacare. I was uh, too healthy uh, and, and, and too young to have a high deductible plan, which didn't really make sense to me uh, because I had the means to, to meet my deductible and uh, we were very healthy. Uh, but you're going to hold out that high deductible plan for someone who is financially challenged who couldn't meet the 10, 15, $20,000 deductible anyway. Um, and then I lose my insurance and get penalized um, for not getting this Cadillac plan that I don't use, nor do I need. Um, so yeah, no, there's, there's some different things that we need to do. Number one, we have to consider our seniors. Uh, I think that's where some of the tension becomes. Um, we need to make sure that we take care of our seniors, but there's some creative things that we can do, especially for the next generation uh, and the younger generation, uh, to keep the federal government out of healthcare um, and foster doctor-patient relationships again and let people make their own private healthcare decisions with them and empower them to do so. Um, you can even take something uh, like uh, expanding health savings accounts, if you will. Um, that's something that you, you empower someone to do in, in a tax and give them a tax benefit for that the federal government doesn't have to have their hands in uh, that allows people to make sound decisions and be rewarded for the sound decisions they make while still saving and preparing for any healthcare uh, things they may have. So there's a lot of conversational pieces need to happen, but we have to stay with the fundamental premise that we do not want the federal government in between doctors and patients. Uh, we need to get out of it and create a fertile ground uh, for those relationships to thrive, for people to plan, and to protect the elderly uh, who are already of age. Sounds completely wonderful. It sounds like you thought through those issues very well. I love it. Uh, so we're speaking, if, I'm, if you're a radio listener, we're speaking with a candidate for U.S. Congress from Florida, Congressional District 25, CD25, Drew Montez Clark, 
last name C-O-A-R-K, and your website, sir. If people want to donate to your website or read more about you, can you tell us what your website is? Uh, my website is just my name. It is Drew Montez Clark, D-R-A-W-M-O-N-T-E-Z, Clark, C-L-A-R-K, dot com. Uh, so I have values up there. You can donate from that page. You want to join Team Clark, you can also do that from there as well. Um, and then I encourage people to reach out to me. And, you know, un fundamentally, I'm here to represent the constituents of, of, of my district. Uh, at the same time, I want people to understand that no matter where they are in this country, we talk a federal position, I still have one vote. And that one vote impacts the entire nation. So regardless of where you are, uh, we have to understand that when we find people, find patriots who are willing to step forward, step up, and fight for this country, that we need to support them no matter where we are. Uh, because we have to decrease the size of this federal government uh, and return power to the states, but ultimately return power to where it belongs, and that's with the people. Amen to that. Drew Montez Clark, I'm so glad you've been able to join me today. Thank you so very much. Wish you the best of luck in your campaign, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, for, thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate it. Enjoy being on. Okay, sir. So on that note, I will tell you, folks, he's exactly right about the idea it's wonderful to support the best candidate you can find in your congressional district, but the entire Congress is 435 people. That's just the U.S. House, 435 people, and they all have one vote, and they all vote on things that matter in your lives. So if you like a candidate who doesn't happen to be in your district or your state or even your region of the country, if you can support them, even a small donation, I'm not just saying for him, but other wonderful conservatives you find, you know, there, you, it is perfectly legal and it is perfectly wise to go ahead and donate to people who can be a great vote, one of the 135. Okay, I want to tell you about two way, three ways to support this show. This is going to be an action-packed second hour. I have fabulous, unbelievable clips from the FDA. If you want to know the truth about how they function, you'll soon know it. I have fabulous, interesting clips out of Canada and what is happening in Canada uh, and more news on the Hillary Clinton uh, now exposed uh, insurrection. So before we get to the bottom of the hour, I want to tell you on the ra our radio listeners how you can learn more about this show, find it and support it. And our online listeners, of course, too. So our website is americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can Click subscribe, get our once a week newsletter. You can make a donation. This show is listener supported, listener supported. So if you make a donation, I have never taken a salary. I've done this show since 2014. I do it out of love of country and deep concern about the direction our country is taking and the desire to save America. So you can donate to the show. You can become a member on America Can We Talk. It's at $50 a year, very, very inexpensive. $50 a year, you become a member. You get discounts on our conferences. We have a conference, a summit coming up this fall on October 15th. We have one or two in the spring of this year. Discounts on our summit, discounts on our products. But really, the reason to become a member is to support this show. And if you're in the North Texas area, you can come into the show on Thursdays. On one day a week, we have an in-studio audience. Great, great shows on Thursdays with an in-studio audience. Tomorrow, our guest on in-studio is Evan Sayet, S-A-Y-E-T fabulous guest. Also, two other ways to support this show that are actually fun, they benefit you. One is that if you go to MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com has great products. And I was going to tell you, Mike Lindell, the guy who founded MyPillow.com, he tried to send pillows up to the, the uh, striking truckers in Canada, and his delivery truck was turned around the border. But he tried. 
But MyPillow.com, my husband and I have their pillows, their bathrobes, their uh, slippers, their, their uh, towels are fabulous, great products, high quality products. You go online to MyPillow.com and after you get your order all assembled at the promo code thing, you put in Debbie G. Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, you get up to 66% off of what you order, of the price of what you order, up to 66% off, and uh, you get great products delivered quickly, high quality, and I get a small uh, compensation also, so everybody wins. You get great prices, great products, I get a little help supporting the show. The other way you can do that, a similar thing, is with a beverage that I must tell you I am smitten with, truly smitten. The beverage is called H2, um, and I want to ask uh, Mr. Becker, there you go, it's called HydroShot. Right here, the ad, if you, if you can see it, the, the, hat, the ad is uh, the lemon lime flavor. They also have a uh, strawberry flavor, an orange flavor, but HydroShot, not available in stores or anywhere else except online, and you go online to h2bev.com, h2bev.com, and again, order a case of HydroShot, and it comes delivered to you, put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG. But the great thing about HydroShot is a true technological development, infused hydrogen. It genuinely does increase your focus, your energy, your clarity of thinking, wonderful health benefits. Go to HydroShot and put in DEBBIEG, get a case. I, I drink one can every morning, you should too. Radio listeners, come back in three minutes. Okay, for those, so we had our radio listeners off on their three-minute break. Um, I want to just, in this little time period we have today, tell you this thing about the Canadian truckers. This is like my favorite story going on like in the entire world. The Canadian truckers continue their protests. And I want to tell you a few things that are just, I, I mean, they're, they're almost kind of mind-blowing um, that are occurring up there. Uh, one is that the Canadian truckers are, um, you know, they've been in Ottawa, they've been at the border, and so one of the... Um, a reporter called, he, he actually was a, a podcast or a reporter or something, got a hold of one of the truck drivers on his cell phone and said, he just wanted to talk to me. Tell me what's going on up there. How does it feel? What's going on? So the trucker says to him on the phone, I can't really talk right now, but you can listen to what we're doing. We're standing outside the Canadian Parliament and what they were singing I, I mean, it's, it's simply mind-blowing to me. What they were singing, they first sang that amazing hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which I know, you know, that's a kind of a Lutheran hymn, and my grandfather and uncles were Lutheran ministers. You know, I, we sang this hymn a lot in church growing up. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. They sang that. This is the one that the Trudeau is calling the violent white supremacists. That's what Trudeau is trying to say the truckers are. And here's what the truckers really are. They're singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, four verses. They also sang Amazing Grace, which everyone knows. Amazing Grace, one of those beautiful hymns like ever, ever invent, ever written, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And, and so this is how they're protesting. They're standing up for what they believe in. They're standing for freedom. And they're singing outside of the parliament. Contrast that with how the Antifa and Black Lives Matter groups protested in America all of 2020 and 2021. 20 and 20. And this is what people, the truckers are saying. So two things have happened with the truckers. One with the truckers is that the, um, at the border, the um, Ontario premier, you know, uh, Trudeau's the prime minister, the premier is every little uh, province. So Ontario has this premier named uh, Douglas Ford. He offered a deal to them. He said, look, okay, okay, we'll, we'll relax some of the requirements. We'll relax just a few requirements. And, um, and the truckers said, no, we want all 
of the mandates gone, all mandates gone. That's where we stand, all mandates gone. And they had some really interesting quotes that truckers said. You know, they just said, yeah, we didn't come, first of all, we didn't come all the way up here and, and, and you know, be here for three weeks only to have the government make a halfway concession. And you know, people, they are right about that idea. I mean, if you understand the issue behind COVID and the protest against COVID, it's a freedom issue. It is not an issue about medical care and contents of the vaccines. It's about freedom. And so the trucker said no to the deal offered to them by Ford. And now that our radio listeners are gonna come back, here, okay, so welcome back, our radio listeners to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, this is America Can We Talk. So we're talking about the Canadian truckers and they uh, were offered a deal by the Ontario Premier, um, Douglas Ford, who basically said, okay, okay, how about if we just relax some of the COVID uh, requirements? And the trucker said, no, actually, we want them all dropped. Our, you know, we're not taking anything less. And I wanna tell you why I think that's really important they did that. If you understand what's happening with COVID, you have to understand the governments around the world, the left-wing governments around the world are never, ever, ever going to let go of COVID as an excuse to control your life until the people force them. It is not a healthcare issue. It's not a medical issue. It's a freedom issue. And that's what the truckers are saying. And so it's really interesting. So they said no to Ford. I will say, I'm gonna make this analogy again yesterday. I understand that American slavery was far worse. I'm not saying they're equivalent in terms of suffering produced, but slavery was an evil, it was a wrong. And during the time when people were protesting slavery, if someone in the South had said, okay, well, you know, we could, we could free some of the slaves or we'll free them for just like three months a year, then they have to come back. You wouldn't compromise. You don't compromise when the idea is a right or wrong thing. Slavery was wrong and the only answer was 100% abolition of slavery. COVID mandates and shutting down your freedom in your life is wrong, it is evil, and the truckers are right to say, we don't want a halfway compromise with you. No, thank you. So I want to share with you what Douglas Ford, who is the Ontario Premier, had to say. This is clip two. It's kind of interesting. This is the same guy you're about to hear who offered to the truckers, oh, I'll give you, I'll cut you a deal. I'll, I'll cut back on some um, of the COVID mandates, but not others. Listen to what he really thinks. This is Douglas Ford. You know, you, you, can go to, you can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you can go shopping. You know, you don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not, but we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or 10 shots, you can catch COVID. See, the Prime Minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. We just have to be careful. We've got to always make sure we wash our hands and, and move forward. But, Colin, we can't stay in this position forever. we got to learn to live with this and get on with our lives. I bet if I asked every single person in this room, do you want these damn masks or do you want them off? They want them off. They want to get back to normal. They want to be able to go for dinner with their families. And there's every single person, including myself, knows people that are unvaccinated. You know, sure, there's there's the rebel rousers, and then there's just hardworking people that just don't believe in it. And, and that's their choice. This is about, again, a democracy and freedoms and liberties. And I, I hate, as a government, telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward. And Okay, so that is what these Canadian Premier he hates all of it. You can hear in his heart. This is a guy who's just giving a press conference, looking at the people and saying, you know, this is all wrong and we don't like it and we don't want to put up with it. 
The one last thing about Canada, and then we're going to turn to America's FDA, but one last thing about Canada. Many people have been asking, why, why is Justin Trudeau so adamant? I mean, he can see the people don't want the vaccine mandates. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want the mask mandates. They don't want to be told they can't leave their homes. They don't want to be controlled. And many of the, the uh, four leaders of other of provinces in Canada have, have relaxed the uh, COVID mandates and Justin Trudeau won't budge. Well, Dr. Malone, who's been on this show about a month ago or more, Dr. Malone, an American doctor, Dr. Robert Malone, who's been very outspoken. He's the inventor of the mRNA technology and he's been very outspoken about the vaccines. Listen to what he has to say, Dr. Malone is saying about what Justin Trudeau's true motive may be. Clip one. There, there is uh, in Canada quite a bit of speculation that Justin Trudeau and his family's foundation holds 40% of Acuitas. Acuitas is the uh, manufacturer of the catalytic lipids that are used by Pfizer and the formulation technology. It's privately held. Uh, so there, there appears that there may be a major financial conflict of interest on the part of uh, Mr. Trudeau. You gotta be kidding uh, me. How long have you known this, Robert? Um, I have known that there was speculation uh, that this might be the case. Remember, I know uh, um, Peter Cullis, uh, the academic at the University of British Columbia that gave rise to Acuitas, and I've spoken to him uh, over time, including over the last couple of years, a couple of times. Uh, I've known him professionally for decades. Okay, you understand what he's saying? It appears Trudeau has a financial interest in perpetuating the mandates of the vaccines. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I really want you to think about it. If you are Trudeau and you can see the world is on the side of the truckers, the world is standing up. Trucker uh, you know, imitation or follow on trucker protests are happening all over the world. Everyone, the people are in the streets. It's freezing in Canada and they're in the streets waving signs and waving flags and you dig your feet in, there is some reason. And it's not because you really love the people want to protect children. And, you know, I used to hate when people would always say, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money, because follow the money isn't always true. There actually are people who have ethics and stand for things. But in Trudeau's case, it's appearing more likely follow the money was the entire answer. So that's what's happening in Canada. And I am so with these truckers. I'm so grateful for them um, and grateful for their bravery. One of them, they had these really funny interviews. Some of them went up to Canada and they're interviewing these truckers. And one of them, they were asking, well, how long are you going to stay? And one of them said, well, I just ordered my sunblock in case we're still here in August and I'm going to be sitting out in my folding chair, thought I better have my sunblock. They're kind of, they're saying in many ways, we're not going home until you drop these mandates. This is a true, it's not Republican versus Democrat, it's not conservative versus liberal. This is a basic ruling class, we will control you and the people. That's what it is. It's Grand Canada, same thing in America. Switching to our next topic, which is very related, is about the FDA, uh, and I, I called it FDA official uh, video bombshell. Okay, so you guys remember how this is fabulous organization uh, that does um, undercover videos. I mean, they record people when they're not, uh, uh, they don't know they're being recorded. So Project Veritas is the name of the, of the uh, organization, and uh, James O'Keefe is the head of it, and he's really the idea guy. And he's, so he gets people, he gets, uh, records people. So this video bombshell came out last night, I think. And this is an official of the FDA. 
Now, it's a very funny thing before we play this. Actually, Mr. Becker, you got this one, right? I sent, you did get it, okay. So, uh, I sent it late, er. So, this is a video in which the guy who's an FDA official thinks he's on a date. He's got, the, you know, sometimes that there are all sorts of different pretexts they use to get these videos, but this is used, this is a guy who thinks he's on a date. And so he's trying to impress this young woman with all he knows and everything going on with the FDA and the COVID vaccines. Roll that tape, please, Mr. Becker. Well, it's possible. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet. They don't want to like uh, rile everyone up. The drug companies, the food companies, the vaccine companies, so they pay us hundreds of millions of dollars a year to hire and keep the reviewers to approve their products. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. I mean, just from everything I've heard, they're not going to not approve it. Meet Christopher Cole, an executive officer at the FDA with over 20 years experience who claims to be directly involved in the approval process of the various COVID vaccines. What you're about to witness raises some alarming concerns from the government's desire to mandate an annual vaccine for everyone, including young children, to the billions of dollars that exchange hands between our government and Big Pharma to railroad the approval process. I'm a manager for the uh, Food and Drug Administration. My, uh, my agency oversees vaccines, oh. vaccine approvals, and, and uh, devices for vaccines. And my office clears all the uh, emergency approvals. Since COVID is under an emergency uh, order, we expedite the approval of any emergency. I've been there for like 22 years. We can cut him off. Biden wants to inoculate his. Yeah, you know, it goes on and on. It's a great video. It's linked on our website. The reason I wanted to tell you about it is. This is the FDA guy who's, because he thinks he's on a date, he's kind of bragging about his power. Catch that one line, hundreds of millions of dollars, the pharmaceuticals pay into the government so they'll hire people who will approve their vaccines. And I mean, this is a racket. I mean, that, that regulatory capture term doesn't begin to, it, it sounds uh, almost like an interesting observational, uh, you know, assessment of regulatory capture. This is the, the pharmaceutical companies who only really make money in vaccines these days, by the way, all the medications they make and the uh, patent elapses and they don't make very much money. Vaccines where the money is and the pharmaceuticals. This guy is saying, this is how we, you know, they, 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 the pharmaceuticals pay money to the government and then to hire people who will approve of what they're trying to do. Biden wants to do this forever. Please understand, back to my opening segment today, don't be Truman Burbank. Don't be Truman Burbank. Don't go, well, I don't know, you know, Fauci said, FDA said, please understand. It doesn't matter if these positions, these people hold positions that have, you know, long titles and uh, MD and whatever the other titles are and the titles they hold in various, um, you know, uh, research organizations or within the government. They're human beings who have over the years developed a system that allows the pharmaceutical companies under the guise of maybe originally trying to help the government understand uh, what they've developed, understand how it works to where the pharmaceuticals are giving money to the government to hire people to approve the vaccines. And then they also have, you know, for the vaccine companies, uh, immunity for the, da the damage the vaccines do. Instead of having in normal life in America, you are responsible if you are a company and you create a product that causes damage, you know, you held liable in court. But this has been utterly removed from the vaccine companies for decades by federal law. 
So you, they, they're immune from uh, being responsible. And no matter what the data are that come up with that Americans are reporting about injuries to themselves, you know, death from the vaccines, other really horrific injuries, uh, it just the whole process is immune from those kind of considerations. So this whole Truman-Burbank thing, I'm not joking about trying to help people see what's happening to America. Truman-Burbank thought for most of his life, he's living in the Truman Show. He doesn't know it's a show. He thinks everything's real. He's being told. And, and actually, finally, things start to happen. I think one reason, the thing in the movie that happened, he recognized like one of the, light, the sets. You know, He's on a, a TV set, but doesn't know it. And so a light falls onto the ground. He's like, what, what, where would that come from? And it's one of the things that helps him realize, well, we need to start to recognize as Americans, we don't really have to be Truman Burbank. We don't have to agree with everything FDA, CDC, uh, Fauci, Obama, say, Obama uh, and Biden say about the vaccines. We can wake up. There's enough evidence the American people to recognize that at the very least, the trucker's message out of Canada should be the American people's message to Congress and to their state leg legislatures, their state officials, their county officials. You know, you can put warnings out and you can give information and you don't get to control my life and you don't get to tell me whether or not I put a vaccine in my arm that I think is dangerous. I am, by the way, folks, I'm not anti-vaccine. I think vaccines, many of them have had more Marvelous results. I am against the way this vaccine got developed and I'm against the way that it is being forced on the throats of the American people with your freedom threatened if you won't go for it. This is un-American. So love that story. Oh, and also a quick other one before I still want to turn to something that relates to Hillary. But one other thing that was just a really great uh, discovery and I want to see if I can get her on my show. You know, Cheryl Atkinson, now you likely remember that name, uh, just an astonishingly brave reporter. Uh, and I can't go on to her story right now, but she has her own website, Cheryl Atkinson, and it's, it's CherylAtkinson.com. I think this is linked also on our website today, but Cheryl Atkinson has a story out about her organization, which is Informed Consent Action Network, ICANN, Informed Consent Action Network, ICANN, got a White House email, I assume through a Freedom of Information Act. The White House email that she got a hold of is reporting on Facebook, Merck, and the Centers for Disease Control and their corporate partners, including Pfizer. An email showing that all of those players, Facebook, Merck, CDC, out of the White House, all of them came together, I would say colluded, came together to um, form an alliance to use social media and digital platforms to build confidence in and drive uptakes of vaccines. And they're basically saying, these vaccine organizations that make billions out of the vaccines that they sell, the CDC, funded by your tax dollars, are working together to Truman Burbank you, to lack of a better, to Truman Burbank you, to treat you like you're the Truman Show, treat you like you're some actor who's like, like you know, Jim, uh, what's his name, Jim Carrey was on Truman Show, and he's just being manipulated around, a facade all around him. So these people, they're, they're manipulating all the social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. And this is a June 15, 2021 email sent by a Facebook manager uh, to several White House employees explaining how they had a new initiative that's basically going to use all available efforts they can make to convince people the vaccines are safe, they're vital, there's no other choice, you gotta go with them, you gotta go out, vaccines are the thing. This, I mean, it is organized, it's Truman Burbanking 
you, the American people. So uh, the commentary by Cheryl Atkinson, very briefly, she says, um, they call themselves the social media alliance. She's saying, the conflict of interest is astonishing. Email shows without a doubt that through the CDC Foundation, created to support this uh, network, the federal government in charge of ensuring the safety of vaccines, that's what they're supposed to do, ensure the safety of vaccines, has teamed up with big pharma and big tech to push a liability-free product on the world while attempting to stomp out anyone who questions this arrangement. Again, I shall remind you about the bulletin last week out of DHS saying they might consider you a domestic terrorist if you say things inconsistent with a government's position on COVID. Turning to my last topic for the day, but the same point I'm gonna make about this topic. This is Hillary and the real insurrection emerging. We talked yesterday, I think, yeah, yesterday, um, and Monday, I think, um, about this filing by the um, John Durham, who had been hired by uh, Special Counsel John Durham, and he was the one, after all of the investigation, or the Mueller investigation, and absolutely zip, zero, not a nothing, no proof at all of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, which it was a hoax the whole time, cooked up by Hillary Clinton and her campaign team as a smear job against Trump. So after that finally was exposed to the public, Mueller finally had to come on TV and say, we don't have anything, there's nothing here. So then Attorney General Barr appointed Special Counsel John Durham to say, get to the bottom of this. How do we even think this was true? So Durham, about whom I had expressed little confidence up until recently, but he has apparently been digging and digging and interviewing and in a filing he made in the court last Friday, in federal court last Friday, which was basically just a filing saying to the federal court, kind of no, giving notice of a potential of conflict, uh, which in, you know, you, in, in law, you can't, if you're an attorney or a law firm, you can't have clients who have conflicting interests. You can't represent you know, the plaintiff and the defendant. I mean, you, you can't, you have a conflict. And also more deeply than that, when you have clients who've given you information in connection with your representation of them, you know you can't take on representation of somebody else because the information that you've gotten from one client can be used against the other. I mean, you know, they're clear laws in the practice of law. So clear standards in practice of law. So Durham files this thing saying, you know, I think there's a conflict here it was about Latham and Watkins. But the deeper point is what emerged from this is the reality that appears irrefutable now that Hillary Clinton, even during the campaign of 2016, when she's running for president and being told by everyone she will win, don't worry, she'll win. Hillary Clinton, during that campaign, employed the services, you know, through a series of links of people, it's not her directly, a tech executive, a high, uh, you know, high technological executive, practically retired to start spying on the Trump administration. Well, at that time, it was a Trump campaign and spying electronically using access his his ability as a, as a tech guru to get access to the trump campaign trump personal residence and after trump is in the white house the trump white house all of it through the language in the indictment of sussman another character in this whole cabal through the indictment of sussman and sussman's indictment is recounted it's, it's listed among the facts is that the point of this, re this retaining of this high-tech executive who has not yet been charged, Jaffe is his last name, was to see if this guy could come up with something 
uh, through the uh, searches being done. You know, you go online to search, uh, you can do a, a search. People say Google search, you shouldn't use Google, but whoever you use, they do a search to search, to look up all the searches being done by the Trump team, all with the goal of trying to come up with something that could maybe look, maybe look like proof in some way that somehow Trump was still colluding with the Russians or did collude with the Russians early on. You have to understand, after all the power that there is in U.S. federal law, all the power the DOJ and the FBI had from the beginning, they couldn't find any proof of this non-existent collusion. They couldn't find any proof because it didn't happen. And this is what Mueller finally had to say. <laughs> Turns out, no proof at all. So Hillary, as and which I know we've been over this a million times, but it matters to, to grasp this. Hillary is the one who cooked up the entire Trump collusion hoax, Trump-Russia collusion. It was a campaign smear job done through her affiliates at Perkins Coie onto Fusion GPS, onto whatever the guy's name is who wrote that uh, you know, dossier, which was also created out of whole cloth, just out of nothing. And Hillary cooks it up, and yet the entire country is subjected, after Trump wins the election, clearly, overwhelmingly wins the election, the whole country has to go forward and live under the Mueller investigation, the continued suspicion being created by the DOJ and the FBI about Trump's connections to Russia. Hillary's sitting back, knowing she cooked up the whole story, still going, making, doing interviews, making reference to Trump's Russia connections, all the while knowing she cooked it up. I want you to think about what that crime might be. If you're in the middle of an election, and she's a candidate at two at that time, and you're cooking up completely false allegation against your primary, your, your only opponent. I mean, at that point, it's, you know, all the other primary candidates are out. It's Hillary and Trump. And you spend your time trying to, through complete facade, sabotage the other guy's campaign. I mean, it's at least fraud. It's probably some other crime. But then after he's in and he wins, you're still paying this guy to go spy on him, see if you can dig up something that we can, you know, uh, cobble together and somehow make it look like still after all, look who knew Trump was in the, um, you know, Trump was in with the Russians all along. So this says mind blowing level discoveries uh, that came out of the Durham report. And I'm back to being back to being my theme for the day. And maybe for a long time, it's going to be the Truman Show movie. The Truman Show movie and Truman Burbank. America got treated by the powers on the American left, the anti-American left, the media, the Hillary team. America got treated like we are Truman Burbank, like we're fools walking around stage, watching all these, this utter production put on by Hillary, orchestrated by those behind the scene perpetuating this. And just stop and think about how many people inside the, the Congress had to know that this was a false allegation? I, I mean, really, I, how many people do you think had to know that? I, I, I don't think it's zero. I think some members of the House and Senate, maybe even both parties, had to know early on that Hillary cooked this up. Surely, surely, members of the FBI and DOJ, in fact, that's how we know, in part, 
that the government knew about it because John Brennan's own handwriting, uh, who, then head of CIA, where he's writing down essentially Hillary cooked up, these aren't his exact words, but Hillary cooked up the Russia-Trump collusion hoax as a campaign smear attempt in his own handwriting. So you have CIA knows, you know, Sussman's now been indicted, and Hillary's still sitting back, as she does so often, sitting back, acting as though she's been the victim here. And for the very first time, you're starting to hear Republicans, usually too spineless to speak up, but Republicans speaking up and saying, you know what, this deserves the full investigation that Trump has said all along it deserves. This deserves a true full investigation. Republicans speaking up for the first time. As we near this uh, three minutes before the end of the hour, our radio listeners are going to go off. So I want to mention a few things before you go away, radio listeners. My website is americacanwetalk.org. You can go to that website, join, subscribe. I urge you to tune into my show every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, friends, so back to the last three minutes of every show. Um, I always have more topics than time. It seems to be the story of my life, but... I always try at the end of the show to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today. Uh, we have the um, America uh, is uh, as the Truman Show. Jim Carrey's Truman Burbank character was played, fooled his entire life by masterminds. The American people are feeling like Truman Burbank with government and media masterminds. Trump colluded with the Russians. No, he didn't. No one spied on Trump's campaign. Yes, they did. The Mueller investigation was legit. No, it wasn't. It was a cover-up of wrongdoing by the government. COVID-19 emerged naturally. Mm, no, it didn't. There's no treatment for COVID except the vaccines. Yes, there are many treatments. COVID vaccines are safe. No, they're not, not by historical standards. COVID vaccines are efficacious. No, they don't provide immunity by CDC's own admissions. Biden won 81 million votes in the most secure election in American history. No, he didn't, and no, it was not. Evidence is snowballing toward the complete destruction of all these lies. Truman Burbank finally discovered the fraud. The American people are discovering the fraud, and that's why there is hope. And violent truckers singing American Amazing Grace and saying no. Truckers in Ottawa singing hymns and Amazing Grace. These are people Trudeau and the media characterize as violent white supremacists. Ontario Premier Doug Ford tried halfway measures Trucker said, ah, no. Ford then shifts to complete denouncement of Trudeau's actions as utterly unjustified by the facts. Rumors continue to fly about Trudeau having a personal financial interest in the vaccines. Trudeau won't even go before the Canadian Parliament for ratification of emergency powers. This is lawless tyranny, not democracy. This is now a pure contest for the survival of freedom against tyranny of truth versus lies. The Canadian truckers are 100% in the right and the Canadian people know it, and so does the rest of the world. Now, in the FDA official video, Project Veritas strikes again using attractive young women. I don't know why that cracks me up. As investigative reporters, FDA official thinks he's out on a date, showing off his insider knowledge, spills the beans on Big Pharma's financial sway over the FDA. Preset FDA approvals. Big Pharma needs a rigged FDA to achieve recurring and growing revenue. A shot every year. No thanks. Americans have rightfully lost all trust in public health authorities. Restoring trust will take years. Entirely new staffing and a redesigned regulatory structure. And on Hillary and the real insurrection emerging, 
Hillary Clinton, her team, and many in government before and after the 2016 election deliberately took actions to sabotage the election and then to unseat the duly elected President of the United States using fraud and deceit and use the corruption of the FBI, DOJ, CIA, and judicial system. The Mueller investigation was a farce from the start. This is the very definition of insurrection and treason. The January 6th committee is a farce, calling the events that day an insurrection while ignoring the true corruption and insurrection surrounding the 2016 election. Millions of Americans are awake to all of this, and they are watching to see if there's anyone inside the Beltway capable of humility, honesty, and contrition. If not, the 2022 elections may throw out more incumbents than anyone realizes. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?